Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're now into the uh, 1993 season, and this is the third discussion we'll be having. The other two I had with Jacob. Uh, John's with me on this one. So this episode we're discussing four films from 1993. John, which one do you want to discuss first? That's a good question. Uh, you know what? Let's do Hot Shots Part Two. Do that. Do that. Since we uh, have already spoken about the first one. Yeah, the uh, I- I'm actually at a loss now. Uh, after watching the second one, I think the second one might be better. I think it's a funnier movie than the first one. I don't know if it's necessarily a better film. The the Rambo is. I mean, yes, Top Gun was pretty rife uh, with uh, the pros the pro. You know, I can't think of the word. The jokes were there, but there's something so fucking ridiculous about Rambo at this point. The first Rambo was really good. But then the second one like turned into this super macho 80s slice of cheese, and then the third one's just a full-on cartoon. So by the time this one comes around, it really, really works. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing is, yeah, this mostly parodies First Blood Part 2, but also action films of like a similar type. But, you know, it's like you get Kickboxer, Basic Instinct, Robin Hood, Star Wars, American Gladiators. And weirdly enough, Terminator 2. And when I say T2 is the weirder pull than American Gladiators or Star Wars, uh, that should tell you something about the humor in this movie. Yeah. Well, you know, here's funny is everybody thinks it is a spoof of Kickboxer. I think people forget that the very beginning of Rambo 3 is what that's from. Rambo is stick fighting. In uh, in Thailand, in the third Rambo, so it's not from Kickboxer, though they happen almost on top of each other. Well, I think it's I think it's the uh, it's not not the putting his hands in stuff because I think that was the Rambo three part, but it's the actual fight itself is Kickboxer. Yeah. Uh, the, oh yeah, the gummy bears. Um, the uh, our dearly departed friend uh, Dave, who died last year. Uh, Embolism, uh, the very first movie party we ever had at his house was with Hot Shots Part 2. I think this was actually my first PG-13 movie that I saw Sans parents. Uh-huh. Because I, re- I know I saw this in theaters, and I'm pretty sure it was just with friends and not folks. I'm always surprised that this did this did about half of what the first one did, and it's not like the way it was in Naked Gun two and a half because you and I discussed like they recycled a lot of jokes from the TV show, and it doesn't have the same energy. And I think if you look at it, is um, Hot Shots got opened up at the end of summer, whereas Part Two opened at the beginning of summer, and there was a lot of competition. Whereas you know when the first one opened, you got like six weeks there where there's really nothing to compete with it. And it just added just a little bit more every week, just slowly getting up to 70 million, where this one didn't even hit 40. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure that, uh, I think it's also fatigue, because at this point, there are more parody films like this, because, yeah, you had all the Naked Guns at this point. I think the third one had come out. No, uh, the next one, the part three comes out next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're getting... Uh, the, 1993 is kind of the end of that massive run of spoof movies, and it gets kind of exhausting because I remember there was... Um, a couple months later, it's Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and it's just... I, I think it's kind of lower-tier Mel Brooks. I know some people love it. Um, and then there was Fatal Instinct. I think there's a couple others yeah. in there. And you can even look at Last Action Hero and say that's almost a spoof movie. You know, 
Loaded Weapon 1. Right, yeah, that, okay, yes, that came out earlier in the year. Yeah, I think that might have hurt, hurt this one because, yeah, it there's, there's definitely had to have been some fatigue because everyone started kind of wanting to parody these types of films. And, I mean, I'll give these, I'll give these films credit. They are funnier than any of those da-da-da movie films that came later. Yeah, 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 they destroyed the whole genre. It's like they didn't understand. If you took out all the jokes in these sorts of movies, the film should still stand on its own. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, instead of just being a sketch movie, the, like, uh, this, is, this is still a rescue, you know, rescue the hostages movie. Right, and, and I would say the percentage of gags at work is much higher than almost any other spoof movie around this time. And, and the best discovery of this movie is Richard Crenna. Uh, his he has that just down pat, that straight faced, uh, ridiculous dialogue. I think he's very, very funny in this movie. And, and he's just playing his uh, his character from Rambo too. Yeah, I my favorite gag in this is so disgusting, but it's when he's ordering the pig snout sandwich at the fight in the very beginning. <laughs> oh, and it bites into it, the mustard comes out the nostrils. <laughs> I remember all in hysterics, and I just remember, like, everybody lost it immediately after that when the guy gets kicked and he spits out the wall, and I was like, you win! Well, one must also ask, is President Benson a far more uh, intelligent and functional president than Trump was? Yes! <laughs> just because he has fake parts doesn't mean he's a bad president. <laughs> oh, he's incompetent. He's what, he doesn't know what's going on. He's you know, half the time not understanding what's happening. Although, again, he at least charges into the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so funny how Charlie Sheen was one of those actors that really could bounce between silly comedies and go back to uh, straight-laced movies. It seems like a lot of these movies, it kind of ruined. Like, with Leslie Nielsen, after Naked Gun, he was not doing straight movies anymore. It was just comedies after that. You know, it's, 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 I think it's hard for an actor, once you get known for spoof, to go back to the serious movies. Yeah, although that, that seemed to have been kind of Leslie Nielsen's, you know, is who he was was kind of like a joke straight away. Apparently. Yeah, that's true because uh, his career was kind of dried up by that point. So he's going to take all the big offers that he gets, and then probably just going to be comedies. Whereas Charlie Sheen was still established. The same thing as his brother Emilio, so they could bounce between the two. Yeah. All right. So our second film is CB4. 
You know, I didn't remember liking this very much when I originally saw it, and I think it's a lot because I had not understood a lot of the references, which is weird because I feel like I saw Fear of a Black Hat soon after this, and I pretty much got all of those. But I wasn't listening to rap. I was listening to nice guy rap. You know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Fat Boy, stuff like that, and I didn't get a lot of what they were parodying in CB4. Now, as an adult, looking back, it, it's a lot better than I thought. <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot better than I thought. Yeah, and I, as much as it's not a one-for-one comparison, this kind of, well, uh, yeah, I guess I'd still go with it. It's kind of the spinal tap of rap, because you, even though you're not getting a full documentary about it, you're kind of, it's got that same sort of feel to it. Yeah, I would because, say I would say Fear of a Black Hat is much closer to Spinal Tap. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that except going, unless there's something else I couldn't remember, and then you brought that up, and I went, yeah, that's much closer to it. But, uh, God, Chris Rock is hilarious in this movie. Yeah, and it's so funny how most of the time, I feel like he does not get the right role because he seems stiff. Until recently, he seems really stiff and awkward. Like, okay, I love Lee Weapon 4. It's my favorite entry in the franchise, but he's fucking terrible. He is god-awful. Well, he's just kind of there to do his stand-up stand material, and that's about it. He is as much a main character in that film, really, as Joe Pesci is. Yeah. He's just kind of there to be the observational humor people while uh, Riggs and Murtaugh go off and actually do shit. I remember for the longest time not knowing that it was Charlie Murphy and going, they just hired a guy that looks like Eddie Murphy. How low rent is that? <laughs> now I seem so stupid. <laughs> it's like, this kind of routed watching, because I've seen this from a bunch of times, but I genuinely just now noticed how much stuff actually goes on in the backgrounds of them, of the wraparound part, yeah. where they're in, on the freeway. I did not notice how much stuff actually happens in the backgrounds of those shots, and it is amazing. The, just kind uh, of how, how the background is constantly changing, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's stuff that seems like normal freeway traffic, and then all of a sudden there's some crazy shit, and I forgot to write that shit down. The, um, but, it's a thankless role, and they do a good job, but I do feel like Phil Hartman and Chris Elliott are a little wasted. We had this soundtrack in my car when I was a senior in high school, and I remember hearing Sweat from My Balls about a million times. But uh, this film also has one thing that I always condone, and that's the mistreatment of dummies. <laughs> the swap out of Chris Rock for the dummy during the sex scene uh-huh. is the most, one of the best, and obviously blatant ones I've ever seen. And I'm 100% for it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the director of this. I knew her other movies, but I never knew where she came from before this. And she's done like 100 music videos. She did so much of the like underground hip-hop and uh, alternative music around the late 80s, early 90s. But um, she did that share video with Beavis and Butthead, I Got You, Babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that's, that's one of the things. It definitely shows that whoever... The, who directed this film 
able to, I would say, authentically deliver something that you you can actually buy. Yeah. If you just had, if you just had some, you know, rat, you had Kevin Smith, for just example, uh, do that, it'd be like, no, I don't feel this. Yeah, you have to have some sort of experience with it, some authenticity to, to pull it off. Yeah. But, yeah, this and the, uh, when the guy goes in, uh, I can't think of the character's name, uh, not Dead Mike, uh, he goes and uh, becomes, tries to be public enemy. Oh, yeah, okay. And his, uh, I'm black. So. <laughs> I'm bliggity black, and I'm black, y'all. What up, black, y'all? <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's so funny is this is when studios started seeing like there was an opportunity to do hip hop movies. Sadly, most of them tanked and it kind of died off there. But do you remember like it was uh, Who's the Man? Uh, this um, and then and then we started getting. I think a lot of it's because the New Jack City made a bunch of money and, and started realizing. But there was stuff before. So there was Crush Groove, Tougher Than Leather. Like there was. Studios trying to find a way in, and CB4 is one of the more successful ones. Sadly, I think it's almost been completely forgotten. Yeah, that's this is another of those films that we talked about before where films are advertised on comic books. I have very, very clear memories of seeing the, the film poster for this on yeah. the back of well, the Well, yeah, Universal Studios must have some long term contract with Marvel Comics because they were always advertising every single one of their movies on the back. Oh, yeah. And DC, because I. Oh yeah, that was Marvel. I remember. I think it was so weird because the guy who created Dark Horse Comics uh, created Doctor Giggles, and yet it wasn't on any Dark Horse comics. <laughs> well, I didn't have money. Well, also, I can't remember. Did Dark Horse Comics even have ads back then? Is that why they were more premium priced? I think so. Because okay. yeah, I don't recall any in, any of the Alien comics I had. Yeah. Well, in DC it was probably all Warner Brothers movies, but um, what is our next film? The next one is the last comedy uh, of this group, So I Married an Ex-Murderer. Yeah, this one I didn't rewatch because I've seen it a million times and I haven't memorized. This is, in fact, the second podcast we ever did. Not you and I, but Jacob. In the very beginning of the podcast, back in early 2014, we did some test episodes to see if anybody would even be interested or if the format worked. And we did full-length commentaries for movies that didn't have commentaries. We did Running Man. Uh, so I married an axe murder in Caddyshack, and we realized this is taking too long. This is <laughs> so much of our lives, so we just changed the format. But yeah, so I married an axe murder was very early on in our show. And this, I have had not seen this film since it literally came out on video. Yeah, you remember this? This did not do well in theaters, but it's one of those that found its audience on video. Then all of a sudden, within like a couple years, everybody knew it. It's like, you know, at this point, Mike Myers really was a known co- uh, quantity and, you know, it had a big boost because of Wayne's World, so, you know, it's like, it, I could see why people didn't see it because it, I remember the advertisements on this film and they weren't good. Yeah. It's so weird that neither one of them from Wayne's World could really get their own, get another movie launched. Yeah, yeah. And exploded, and Dana Carvey had 
Yeah, I think I think what I enjoy so much about So I Married an Axe Murder, and I think what a lot of people enjoy, is it's a very unique voice. A lot of comedies are always trying to appeal to uh, the widest audience possible, but Mike Myers had the confidence to be like, if you have this very specific vision and voice and sense of humor, uh, if it fails in theaters, eventually it'll find you know people who will enjoy it. I'd ever seen him. I, I had no idea who he was, and I was like, "This guy's really funny. Who is this guy?" And then someone eventually told me he was like, you know, you know, all these movies that he was famous for, like you know, twenty years earlier. Yeah, and I was looking at some like little, little trivia on this, and I guess this was originally written for Chevy Chase. That's weird. I thought I thought Mike Myers wrote this. Well, oh, he didn't. Uh, kind of. Uh, and then there's also like Woody Allen, Albert Brooks, and Martin Short. I mean, the bones were there, but he must have rewritten it, and just not enough to get a credit for rewriting it. soundtrack to this is one that I owned and this is like one of those I think people forget about adult alternative that's not named REM from this time period but this thing is loaded to the gills with oh this would have played on college rock and you know and, and to older people This is that isn't the one they made the music video about. They made it with uh, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Uh, Saturday Night is what they released as a video. Yeah, because I think uh, well, this one is. I think the cover is uh, Boo Radley's. Is the first yeah. one that that we hear. I I feel like this is one of those really highly quoted movies. Like you and your friends would quote this to each other and be kind of like an inside joke for a while. Well, I actually say evil and devil. Yeah. Uh, because of this movie. Like the fruits of the devil. <laughs> but, you know, the 
this also has Mike Myers testing out his Shrek voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Fat Bastard, yeah. But yeah, uh, Hid! You, 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 he goes to pill- uh, goes to sleep on his huge pillar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him as his own friend's dad making fun of his uh, brother. Oh, I remember I had a friend who could quote that whole thing that my, uh, Phil Hartman does at Alcatraz. <laughs> Just laughing so hysterically. I can't remember it now, but it's something about you can call me Vicky and then something about pissing in the eye sockets or something so disturbing. <laughs> and he plays it so straight. Well, I think it's uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Wright who's in the plane, and he's just falling asleep, and he's you know just he's the pilot. He doesn't uh, really seem to know what he's doing. Yeah, I, I just I think what was cool was it seems like this was like a hip movie where all the cool actors that you kind of were getting to know showed up in because you had Charles Grodin, you had Michael Richards. Um, uh, Stephen Wright, uh, Phil Hartman, Alan Arkin. Um, I feel like there was a couple others in here, but they just seemed like this is hip. This is cool. Yeah, well, from what I read, it was a lot of these people showed up because they wanted to work with Mike Myers. So it's just kind of like, hey, you know, come out for an afternoon. You'll be in a Mike Myers movie. Yeah, it, like, Mike oh, Myers seems like the kind of guy that works well with others as long as they're not executives, if they're not in charge. <laughs> And I think Nancy Travis is really good. I think the fact that she's not a star. I mean, she was kind of known at the time, but she's not a star. And she does a good give and take. It's like the way with Dumb and Dumber, like Jeff Daniels was not the biggest name to go up with, you know, uh, Jim Carrey. But it doesn't matter. It's it's the chemistry. Yeah. You have to be able to play off each other. And that's what makes it all work. And if you can't, and this film, everybody does a really good job of doing that. Yeah. Although I will say our twist of... Who the axe murder is, I don't think ever really doesn't work. I mean, it, it works because it has to. And yeah, it yeah. Just, but it's like nothing ever feels like it's set up. And I guess apparently that wasn't the case. There was, it was always going to be the girlfriend was an axe murderer. Oh, okay. So it sounds like something the studio said, nah, that's not. And it's like, well, how do we wrangle this around? You know, they just did what they had to do. It kind of had that, uh, some like, it was supposed to have like a some like it hot kind of ending. Yeah. Where she's in prison and uh, and Charlie comes back and he, and he just kind of like, well, yeah, she had to kill me, but nobody's perfect. <laughs> but, again, but again, that mostly works when you have the. Uh, the original angsty uh, sort of character. I mean, you can have, you know, you get uh, you know, Woody Allen doing something like that and you buy it. All right, so our fourth and final film is? A movie I fucked up. Why? Oh, I, okay. Before I name the title, what we should have done, because I know it was on the list. And for some reason, I thought it was a mistake, and I didn't say anything. We should have done Hard Target. Well, we can. Fuck it, no one else has claimed it. Well, not now. I haven't watched it. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, okay. For some reason, I thought Hard Target came out later. Oh, okay, you thought, like, the next year? uh, Well, no, honestly, I thought it was, like, 98 or something. For some reason, I thought it was a later thing, even though... In my head, I, I'd forgotten that it was John Woo's first 
skew as film. I've forgotten that fact. I, for some reason, just mullet uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. For some reasons, I felt like after the quest or something. Oh, okay, okay. So, in my head, this made more sense, and I wanted to see it, which was nowhere to run. Do you regret watching it? I do, actually. Oh, uh, I don't think it's his, one of his better ones, but I do. I remember at the time enjoying it, and uh, uh, my mom definitely loved it. Um, but it is a remake of Shane. Let's just not kid ourselves. I even told my teacher back then, I was like, this is a remake of Shane, just with lots of nudity and more violence. Um, so that makes this awkward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, the thing is, it's like, and I was a little surprised uh, watching this now as an adult, because I hadn't seen it since it came out, and also on video. Uh, I didn't realize Joe Esterhaus was one of the writers on this. But that was an interesting Yeah. Well, I think it's his desire to move away from the movies that he had done before, more appealing to a wider audience, and I can see where he's coming from. I almost feel like he should have ditched all the martial arts if he really wanted to change it, but you know, you know, no one was going to let that happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, any, any sort of martial arts would have been nice in this film. He didn't have to go and do the splits necessarily, even though that's like a trademark. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, well, it was never, of course, written to really be for him. And you look at the writers, and they're all disappointed. It was originally set up with the director of Return of the Jedi. Uh, Joe Esterhaus usually does kind of... Uh, what, what did he do before? It was Fatal Attraction and Beta, uh, Basic Instinct. So, you know, someone with, like, a more normal, you know, blue-collar kind of guy, not a, not a martial arts action guy. Um, and just, I think, eventually no one bought it and, and until, you know... So, it, somehow it came around, you know, after all these rejections that it ended up being a Van Damme movie. And... Um, I do think it's really well directed, though. I think Robert Harmon is a highly underrated director that just never really got his, you know, credit because all his movies were discovered later on video. Like, um, I mean, his big one's The Hitcher, of course. Uh, this, I think he directs very well. I think the action sequences are phenomenal, um, with the very few that there are. But he did a really good movie with a crazy person named Jim Caviezel called Highwaymen. <laughs> Specifically, yeah, I mean, it, it, like made specifically to appeal to family, you know, because he, he he's it feels like it, like okay, you know how Seagal was going for just the bros, you know, no emotion, no no no, and he never gets hurt or whatever. There's no underdog quality to it. And Van Damme always seen the exact opposite of him, and it does seem like after kind of a, a brutal movie with Universal Soldier, which was at that time his biggest movie. I feel like this was, like I said, uh, to expand his audience to uh, women. 
and, and people who aren't into the darker stuff. So he was doing the exact opposite of whatever Seagal was doing at the time. Yeah, yeah this is definitely much more of him trying, trying to make him yeah, be a little more of a household name and be, yeah, that basically kind of like going the, the suburban mom sort of yes. sort of uh, appeal. But I will say this, he has one... Uh, for anybody thinking this is like a family-friendly movie, no. <laughs> he has one, and it's the early 90s, so it's expected in these movies, an intense sex sequence. Yeah, yeah. And he does deliver it. Yeah. One of those, you know, what, I think there's only a handful of films in, in his career where he also, not, not, not this one, but it's like, uh, very few films in his career are ones where you never see his ass as well so well young Van Damme was very good looking and he had a pretty good butt and then uh, the cocaine kind of stole all that <laughs> so yeah, yeah like I said uh, I think if I because I fairly recently watched Universal Soldier I still like that one I have a feeling that if I keep going back and revisiting some of his older films I'm going to be Disappointed. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard. I, I I will go back to him and we go. Oh no! Whoops! You know that that kind of like nostalgia was blinding me. But um, I will say, if you are a Western fan, you're gonna like this because this literally is. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's the old it's the old thing where oh the the train station's coming through and they're gonna take out people's land, you know, and they're gonna take out this oh this widow and you know that kind of thing. Uh, it's basically that kind of movie. joke that hard target is only 18 minutes long if you take out the slow-mo <laughs> <laughs> oh, alrighty well that is it uh, where can we find you on the interwebs I am on twitter m-y-u-z-i-s-h-i-o-n come say hi doing twitch or no I haven't I do have a twitch I haven't done anything on it for a while oh okay um so facebook twitter uh, all your podcast hosts under hit rewind and that is everybody and have a good night